I started to focus on, you know, the things that I could control in my life. And there were five things that I came up with. I called them my supply lines. And they were my sleep, my nutrition, my meditation, my fitness, and my community. I have control of those five things. And I can't bitch about my illnesses if I'm eating garbage, you know, and I'm not sleeping, and I'm not choosing to pray or meditate or surround myself with positive people, all of those things. I can't complain about my finances or anything else really in my life if I'm not honoring those supply lines. Yeah. So I had to quit this victim crap that wasn't serving me. Yes, I had some people that did some really crappy things to me, that's some really awful things. But you know what? Like blaming them did nothing for me except make me bitter and resentful and it kept me in this abyss of garbage. So it was time to really take some accountability and say, you know what? I allowed some of these people to stay in my life. I saw the red flags. I chose to ignore a lot of red flags. And then I made my own choices, yep. you know? And so I had to take accountability and I still have to take accountability for that. Hello friends. Welcome to the Live Boldly podcast with Sarah Shelton Kranz. This is an inspiring podcast for those seeking proven ways of healing, growing and transcending their lives. I am a legendary leader in healing, acclaimed author, keynote and TEDx speaker, a mom, an adventurer, and a believer in all things possible. My mission is to guide others to live their life boldly, regardless of circumstances. I believe we all have the power to overcome and lead joy-filled, happy lives. Recorded from the trail or in my office, every other week I share inspiring stories from everyday people because we all deserve to be heard. You will also hear from hand-picked professionals ready to guide you beside me. Are you ready? Let's do this. When I heard about your Grand Canyon retreat, I was so excited about it. And and then my husband and I were listening to one of your podcasts. We were talking about how the June retreat was happening in 2021 and registration was going to open and things like that. Yeah. And I was super excited about it, but the hesitation part of me was like, Dang, this is gonna be a lot of money. <laughs> but then I'm like, no, wait, I am worth this. Yeah. Healing from betrayal trauma myself. So I was at a point where I need I needed something more. And I felt like this was going to be it for me. Yeah. And so my husband knows how I hesitate when it comes to money too. So he was actually watching to see when the registration would open up because he thought I wouldn't do it. But I'm like, no, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I'm doing this. And so I did. And when I said yes, yes, there there was some scariness to it because I knew it was going to be transformational, but I didn't know what that was even going to look like. Like, what is this going to open up for me? So that's kind of scary because it's going into an unknown. Right, right. It is going into an unknown and it's the unknown of wow, look at all the, what, look at all, all of the transformations that I can actually make in my life and look at what's possible. Mm -hmm. And so when you, when you step into that space of what's possible, you open yourself up to freaking magic. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Live Boldly with Sarah Schulting Kranz. I have my sultry voice on today. <laughs> I just returned from the Grand Canyon and uh, came home with a little gift of um, the dry in the throat. 
And so my team said, go ahead and record the intro. It'll sound very sultry. So this is what you're getting. So we, I, I, uh, where do I begin? Um, this retreat, wow. We meditated. We did Reiki uh, next to the creeks. We coaching um, the depth and the growth and the transformation, the awe, the wonder, the healing, the love, the graciousness, the all things, I don't even life-changing. Um, it was it was unreal. It was absolutely unreal, as I always say. We are now filling our April 2022 Grand Canyon retreat. It is all women's. We have three spots remaining. Jump in as soon as possible. It is filling quickly. We also have July, which is co-ed. November over Thanksgiving, which is co-ed. January of 2023 and uh, some news. We are going to stop running these in May of 2023 for multiple reasons. Um, the business, the personal, the all the, all of the things is uh, shifting into another direction. And uh, unfortunately, Grand Canyon is redoing their pipeline at the same time. And so sometimes when the universe speaks, we all need to listen and not fight and instead surrender, um, give up control of what we love to can try and control and just know that everything is working in our best interest for us. And so this gives us the opportunity to branch out into other areas of which I am extremely excited about. At the same time, I am sad. I'm sad because I love, I've seen so much that has happened in people's lives as I've run these and, and been guiding people through the Grand Canyon for so many years. And from babies to relationship changes, to finding love, to changing careers, uh, just really coming home to our heart and our soul and alignment of, of everything, right, in life. And it is, it's been a true gift. It's been a true gift. And it's one that I'm going to be setting on the shelf um, after May of 2023 and just saying, okay, what's the new gift for us to open and to um, hold and embody? So if you're interested in joining us, um, I would very much suggest suggest it. You can email me at Sarah, S-A-R-A at sarahsholtoncrans.com or message Joe, J-O at sarahsholtoncrans.com and we will fit you into our calendar for a discovery call and see what is the right fit for you. We also are running our online healing program at the same time if anybody is interested in that, which is like phenomenal and awesome in and of itself. Uh, every month we have a new guest speaker. This month we did all about human design. Wow, it was really cool. We have a guest speaker, I do a live training, and we have a group coaching session. So it is over three hours of coaching per month for less than the price of a, less than the cost of a one-on-one -on -one coaching session with me. You have community, connection, um, support, love, accountability, all of the things needed to really step into who we are. So with that, I want to bring in and share with you my latest guest, Matt Canyon. I, okay, so I've been following him for a, a long time. I love this guy. Um, he, we happen to uh, have gone to, we've got a lot of the same crossover is my point. And I really like what he talks about, how he speaks, how he shares. He's vulnerable, he's authentic. He is a man of all things, um, transformational and beautiful and healing. And so he has stood on a TED Talk stage. He's an author, just a really, really cool dude. And so when I found him, um, as after I was following him for a while, I reached out to him through LinkedIn. He uh, reached back out. We had a conversation and um, 
yeah, you're going to you're going to love this. So go grab your journal. Let me tell you a little bit about him. Uh, Matt is the founder of Atomic Mornings and uh, Matt Gagnon Coaching. He is a TEDx speaker, two-time author, rule breaker. Freaking love that. Bulletproof optimist. Yep. Faith-fueled and living with a courageous heart. In 2015, Matt left his job, was disabled with chronic illness, negative a negative bank account, a spouse out of work, infant son, and had a new house. So he did the one thing everyone told him not to do and launched a coaching practice fueled only by a grassroots effort. Focused on the power of essential life-giving self-care routines, prayer time, sleep, nutrition, fitness, inner circle of friends, he rediscovered his core values that allowed him to thrive as a father, friend, husband, coach, and entrepreneur. However, the biggest journey was learning how to transition from a sympathy-seeking victim of circumstances into someone who was empowered by his adversity, using his experiences and lessons learned to better serve others. He wrote his own comeback story and continues to help others do the same. Adversity is simply a call to adventure, and it only starts when you choose to answer the call. So, like I said, grab your journal, listen to this, have fun with it. I really loved this conversation. We um, we dove deep and we got real and truthful and honest and vulnerable and authentic and all the things that I love to do. And so uh, do me a favor though and let me know what you think. Forward this on to your friends. Forward on, you know, I always say we are ripples for one another. So forward on anything that touches your heart and soul. That's just in life, like in life in general. You got something that touches your heart and your soul, freaking forward it on to somebody else so it can touch theirs. Here's what this does. It uplevels us even more deeply, right? It uplevels us. It deepens our learning, our growth, our healing. And at the same time, it invites people into the space with us energetically, um, uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, all of the things. And so, um, you know, if, if, if I hadn't been doing that myself, uh, I know that there's so many of you um, that also wouldn't have the opportunity to do it either. And so this is what we are. We're just literally, we are continual ripples for one another. So I'm glad you're here. Thank you for being here. Share this with others. Share this on your social media platforms. Tag me. Let me reshare. And let's continue putting one right step in front of the other together. All my love. So I have Matt Ganyan on and um, I've been following you for a while through LinkedIn, primarily through LinkedIn. And then I started going into the whole Instagram space, but you are a hell of a man, a hell of a man. And then I went in and listened to your TED talk, which is fairly new, right? Like you just, that wasn't too long ago and was like, yes, please. Can we have more of this in the world? I think one of the things mm-hmm. that we are really diving into more than anything right now is authenticity within the space of humanness, quite frankly, not just in work and in personal, but literally as being a human, just being an authentic, vulnerable human and facing what is freaking in front of us and taking it on. So I listened to your TED talk once more while I was on the ocean just now and uh, came back off and I'm like super, super stoked to jam in with you. So thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm very that. honored. Thank you so much. I think yeah. you're the first to listen to it on the ocean, to my knowledge. So that's pretty well. That's pretty rad. Well, but, you know, <laughs> I do a lot of my work. Right. I do a lot of my work out there, actually. I, I really it. do. <laughs> I do a lot of my work out there. I take calls out there. I do like all sorts of stuff out there. It's pretty fun. Blessed. I honestly blessed to be in nature doing that. And so let's dive in. So tell us a little bit about you. Let's start there. 
Yeah. Well, uh, see, I've been born and raised in Maine. I've spent uh, the past 15 years, though, in Austin, Texas. And um, I've got a uh, wife that we've known each other since high school. And I've got an eight-year-old little boy that's my absolute heart and soul. And uh, pretty much is one of the reasons that drives me to do what I do and drove me to get into this industry of coaching and to serve other people. Uh, it's always been a part of me and who I am. It took me a while to get back to it, but I remember the day he was born. Um, I was inspired and said that, you know what, I'm going to show you what it's like to build something of your own. Wow. And it's never too late to make a comeback in life and go after what you love. I also never wanted to miss a special moment in his life either. Cause I was working in the retail industry at the time and kind of the corporate area. And I was traveling a ton, you know, sometimes 26 nights a month and uh, I wasn't going to miss his life. So it set me on a course. So yeah, that's me. I, um, pretty passionate about nature, music, whether it's playing or performing it. Um, I'm a big pop culture fan, uh, a vinyl enthusiast, pretty much a rule breaker of any, kind of rules that are unspoken or unwritten. I like to challenge those quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, I believe in the strength of vulnerability and, and the power of routines. Yeah. So I think I'm pretty funny too. I'm a pretty funny <laughs> guy. So yeah, no, this sums me up. I'm actually pretty hilarious. <laughs> I say that about myself all the time. I like, I pretty much crack myself up. <laughs> Who needs uh, who needs all the people in the audience when I am my own audience? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I will entertain myself just fine. <laughs> which is awesome. So I want to dive into something here, which is your TED Talk. Because like literally the four pieces to your TED Talk, I was like, yes. In fact, I was listening to it, rewind, listening to it, rewind, because um, it's so basic and yet not for a lot of people. So can we start with, I want to start with what got you into the space that what happened at 30? I love the fact that you were so honest with your, with everybody on this. Um, and, and then I want to dive into the TED talk itself and, and really nail into those four parts. So those mm -hmm. of you that are listening, go grab your freaking journals if you haven't yet, because you're going to want to take notes on this. This is also my passion. So I will be like, I'm sure speaking my own stuff on this too. So let's, let's dive into that. What, what got you into the space? Um, and just, just get vulnerable and, and authentic with us in that, in your, in how you got here. Yeah. I don't really know how to be any other way. I know. <laughs> and so I say, Hey, be authentic and be vulnerable. <laughs> well, you're going to get that anyways. And sometimes it just makes people uncomfortable. Like, uh, it's a little deeper than I wanted. Like, no. Um, then like, All right, great. That's fine. I know I've had to learn how to have some better boundaries and go a little easier on some people but <laughs> <laughs> but what got me into the space was I mean look I just grew up kind of being the sensitive kid or like the more intuitive person and um I always enjoyed serving and helping people even as a little kid but the problem that I learned was not everybody liked being seen I mean that was more my gift was just being able to see and feel people but, uh, but yeah, not everyone's really comfortable with that. So they think you're weird, um, overly sensitive or, and it, it freaks some people out. I was bullied for it for quite a while, just being different. And, uh, 
I really kind of stopped making eye contact for a while with people. I, I just, I, I was kind of an overweight kid and, um, yeah, I kind of pushed the gift to the side, you know, mm-hmm. and then in high school, I really started to embrace it again, got super involved in any kind of peer mediation programs, uh, suicide prevention programs, everything you could think of. And I loved it. I just didn't have a very healthy relationship with how to help people. I just thought it meant taking on other people's garbage, yeah. you know, and uh, being sensitive and vulnerable for people, but not necessarily asking for help myself, just being there for everybody else. And that really, that really ran me into the ground. I didn't know it, but it really did. Actually, I didn't realize how angry I was until I put a football helmet on. Um, and then I was a totally different human being. Uh, I could hit people legally as hard as I wanted to and just, you know, and what yeah. came out of that though, was a, uh, over a dozen concussions that led to a, a traumatic brain injury diagnosis about three years ago. So, and that dramatically affected that path I went on through my twenties, which my talk kind of speaks about, mm-hmm. but yeah, I joined the retail world and I still found a way to serve people through that. I was well known for building great teams I realized that by investing in people and taking an interest in them and building, you know, amazing leaders that the results came, the, the, the financial results just came on their own. And so I got known for that, but what ended up happening was I just, I had some very toxic, uh, experiences in life and some toxic people I invited into my life. I let them stay. I, I can't say that. Um, I was really a victim of it in some ways. Yeah, I was, but I, I take accountability too. I, I didn't know any better. I just, mm-hmm. I let them into my life and I thought I could help them too. Um, and so what ended up happening was I just really strayed from all of my values, all of my morals, cause I was hurt. And as a hurt person, I was hurting back and, um, I felt out of control. I mean, I was drinking 15 cans of Red Bull a day. Yeah, and I, I heard that, and I was like, Adderall. "How are you alive?" Yeah, no, I shouldn't be really. Holy Sixty moly. milligrams of Adderall and all that Red Bull, um, and I didn't sleep much. Obviously, I I was an emotional eater. Um, I did my best to. I always kind of stayed in shape, but my weight fluctuated constantly, and I kept fighting just anger all the time too, up and down, up and down, and just this struggle for identity inside, but just bitterly angry at the world from some of the just toxic relationships and feeling trapped and not knowing who I was. And just, it was a disaster. So eventually by the age of 30, that's when I hit this breaking point of just wearing this mask of trying to be all the check boxes that life wanted me to achieve that equal to success. Like if I had all these things, if I had the clothes and the house and the, the job and the salary and the the BMW I was driving at the time, then, you know, great. I made it, yeah. but, uh, I just felt ugly inside and unrecognizable. And, you know, it was that night, uh, when I was 30 in a Chicago hotel room, you know, traveling for work when I, uh, I really just kind of lost it. I just felt unlovable. I felt like this, like, man, if anybody saw who I really was inside, then yeah, I'd never be loved again. I'd gone too far, you know, and, uh, I couldn't manage just that double life anymore and not being who I am. And I forgot who I was really, um, you know, this whole time in life, you, you want to be the superhero and the hero in the story. And then you start to look at yourself I'm like, man, if I become the villain, like oh, this is not, this is not what I wanted. 
And I'm like, what the hell's wrong with me? And that's when I just thought the answer was to just swallow a bottle of Adderall. And uh, maybe that would just make my heart explode. And for me, that's what felt like what was most symbolic to me because it didn't feel like there was much of it left. Like it was just kind of worthless. So let's just blow the damn thing up. And, uh, and yeah, it was really, uh, it was a very, very dark moment for me. And it, it really was that there was this moment where I heard the music playing in the background from my iPod and my talk speaks about it too. Just yeah. that song, hallelujah hit me. And, you know, again, it wasn't necessarily the lyrics, um, or the melody. It was just kind of the whole thing put together. And it just, something hit me that said it wasn't my time. You know, it was really kind of hearing God's own voice too, which I had ignored for a good five years, you know, my faith and just heard this voice and said, I'm not done with you yet, you know, and uh, I purged everything and I, I pulled it together and I went to work the next day after passing out. No one knew, only I did, you know, and I, I kept that bottled up for quite a while too. And it still took like another month for me to really break um, for it to all crash down. And that was a big turning point. I had to reclaim my life. I had to tell the toxic people in my life that I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore. I took some serious action on that. And then I got, uh, you know, I took probably six months off from working. I got really fat. <laughs> I think I bulked up to 250 pounds. I grew a massive beard. I mean, I, I slept for the first time probably in what felt like five years. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, fell to pieces, you know, but was slowly trying to rebuild myself again. And it was, that was kind of the beginning. I was like, something has to change. You know, like I can't be this anymore. Okay. Can we, can we, can we go back to one piece to this? That's actually yeah. very fascinating to me. Um, so we all have like a rock bottom moment. We all have a moment, right? Like yeah. that's like this defining thing. And then it's the which goes into your first step where about being the victim. Um, and then it's the, wh what am I going to do about this? Am I going to run from this moment or am I also, or am I going to lean into this moment and say, I'm ready to make the change. Then you decide, okay, I'm ready to make the change. But then who did you turn to? How did you, what was the, what was your course of action? How did you know what trail to go down or what steps to take? Got a therapist. Um, could everybody just like know, I, hear that you actually yeah. asked for help? Yeah, no, I, uh, I had to get a therapist. I tried a couple during my times of crisis before all of it. And, uh, I didn't like any of them really. And some of them just kind of said just enough to make me almost feel enabled to keep going. Yeah. Um, and finally I found one, it was another guy who kind of specialized in my area and, uh, boy, he, he, pissed me off from the first session i hated him and i was Which like this is the guy good. <laughs> yeah and i was like this is the guy i have to see yeah so yeah i worked with him and you know what i didn't realize like how toxic some of those relationships were until he pointed them out yeah he says you know that's really messed up right i was like it is because i was still defending some of these people yeah and uh and then everything started to click i was like man this is stupid this is awful <laughs> you know yeah. and uh so i did that i did some group work um i did some 12-step work i dived in and you know what like some people i see in groups they seem miserable to be there like a shame that they're there like oh i couldn't wait 
Like I was thrilled to be in a room of people that like didn't make me feel so alone in this world, you know? And I got to the point where I was like, man, everybody should do one of these. Like, why wait till you're in crisis? Like, this is great. You know, the self-discovery work, I just couldn't get enough of it. I, I immersed myself in a boot camp of self-discovery work. You know, it was wow. intense. And I was fine with it. I mean, there was massive, like, tears that needed to be shed. There were relationships that needed to be repaired. There were some that needed to be let go of. But uh, it kicked off something pretty big. You know, and that's that's what I thought was just like the first chat. You know, I was like, man, I think I'm going to be all right. I'm good. You know, that was a good few years there of some hardcore work. And I was just training. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I know. Yeah, it's, just it's Well, and then it becomes, I don't know about you, but for me, it's become my way of life. It's literally yeah, become no, my way of it's life. A lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to live any differently. And I don't want to because yeah. it's freaking amazing like continuing yeah. on this journey of self-discovery and all the things like it's the coolest yeah. freaking thing. Yeah. I've been to therapy. I'm cured, you know, like it. And then I was just like, no, I'm not done. Like I'm not done here. Like I've got more work to do. And I still, I, I got back into the retail world for a few more years. I didn't know where else to go. I didn't know what else to do. Um, but I was trying to create different boundaries with it now. But yeah, that was, that was a big thing. I got back into that and I got back into uh, my faith. And kind of just learned a new relationship with that. I decided mm -hmm. like, wait, it doesn't have to be what everybody else does or what everybody else says. You know, my beliefs lean in Christianity, but it, again, it didn't have to be like, oh, if I don't go to church, I'm a bad, you know, I'm a bad person of faith, you right. know? And there were a lot of churches. I just, I just didn't feel comfortable in them. I found one eventually. I was like, man, this, this place feels like home. They have great music. Uh, I dig the pastor's message. I dig his authenticity. He's very real and humble and talks about stuff that makes people uncomfortable. I like that. Good. Yeah. Cool. But if I didn't go there, I didn't, I also didn't feel like I was a horrible person. I also used to judge myself like, Oh, I don't know any scriptures or anything in the Bible. That must also make me not qualified to talk about faith. And that was an utter lie. Um, like, no, it's a personal relationship. I was like, right. that guy's, you know, God's been talking to me for years, you know, so I'm solid there. I have just a different relationship with it. And I question a lot of things too. I think that drives people nutty, but I like that. Yeah. Um, but when you said about, we have a chance either retreat from fear or lean into it. That's that couldn't resonate with me more. I mean, there is a scripture actually in my headline on LinkedIn and that was a big fear too, to even put faith in my, my thing. So anyone's listening, I'm not here to, to preach or Bible thump you. I love people of all faith. Right. Like if you believe yeah. in something bigger than you, I love it. That's great. Yep. That's great. Bigger than you. That's amazing. Yep. I also just like being a safe space to just have a conversation about faith because I'm not here to judge or tell you what to believe. I just like chatting with about it. But there was a scripture I put in there. It's first Samuel 17, 48. And all it says is, is a David and Goliath story, but it's a super simple line that just says David ran towards Goliath. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love that message. Like who runs towards this 11 foot giant with just a couple stones in his hands, you know, and a slingshot. But this dude did. And no one rooted for him. He didn't have any fans on either side of the field. He didn't want to be a people pleaser and wear this armor that the king was trying to give him because it wasn't his jam. It wasn't authentic for him to wear that. And he was a rule breaker. He fought the long game in war with a slingshot. He didn't fight the close up battle like Goliath was expecting him to do it. It was amazing. You know, and he did it for something bigger than himself. So I have 
a stone that I keep with me all the time. And it's one of the gifts I give to a lot of my clients, a, a stone and a sling. And the stone actually comes from the Valley of Elah, where the battle would have taken place. Wow. And so I have a contact over there and she sends them to me from the Valley and they're still, they're rounded from the brook that they're in. Wow. And I keep that with me as a reminder, like, am wow. I running towards or away from my giants? Yeah. And that's an incredibly powerful message for me that, you know, when I look in the mirror, am I David today or am I, am I Goliath, you know? And sometimes, you know, I'm a David in my own story, but in other people's, I might be their Goliath too. And sometimes mm-hmm. I'm my own, mm-hmm. but that, that story reminds me, you know, and I tell people whether you're faith or not, it's a kick-ass story. So take what you want from it, you know? So that's really big for me. So when you said that, 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 that hit me pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you have continued on this journey. It's the, thanks me too. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks me too. (laughs) Well, and I think, so uh, this is just one of the, that you also talked about this in your Ted talk is that sometimes when we start down this journey, people do kind of start to wonder what happened to you. (laughs) It's like this. My mom, one time she was like, what are you doing? Like, what are you, what are, I don't understand. It's, it's just, she's the cutest. I love her so much. And it's so funny to me because for me having three sons as well, it's a gift, not only for myself, for my heart, for my soul, for who I am, who yeah. I was born to be, by the way, mm-hmm. it's also a gift for my children and it's a gift for a society and it's a gift for the community. And it's a gift for my family, past patterns, present mm-hmm. where we're at and the future. So yeah. kind of like, I, I mean, I wouldn't know anymore how to, I wouldn't know how to be anybody, but this quite frankly, like I just yeah. wouldn't. I walk down, I, every morning I walk in my robe without my shoes on walking my dog and everybody just knows, Oh, that's Sarah. I take my paddleboard down to the Harbor with my puffy jacket on jumping on. And they're just like, Oh, there she is. Yeah. It's nice now that people can look at me and go, okay, that's, that's her. Yeah. Um, And I just want to say that for all of the people out there that are curious about this journey, get more curious. I think that the curiosity about it is one of the biggest things that you can do. Like you can get more curious yeah. about it because that's where yeah. the fun starts. That's where living happens. the most epic perspective to live in. And uh, yeah. that's what's helped me avoid stress and anxiety so much is just a place of curiosity and to surrender uh, all the control I needed to have in life. I have much more intentional goals and visions on where I, I want to be in life, but I'm not attached to how I get there. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it's not a rigid road anymore. It's just like, yeah. And I'm also, cause I honestly believe that, you know, curiosity now gives me this perspective of, you know, 360 degrees of like being on a mountain where before I had such tunnel vision, where I could only see what was directly in front of me, like looking through a hole in a straw, but so many of the opportunities in life are in the peripheral. Yeah. And that's what I'm aware of now is yeah. what's all around me. And so that's, yeah, that's the way I like to live. I dig that. It's so much fun. It's so freaking much fun. It's so freaking much fun. Okay. So I want to, I want to, before we jump into the four things, I want to ask you, when did nature come into the space for you? I mean, you've already always been like a nature person. I get it. When did this become a, um, uh, tool in your healing and personal discovery? Yeah, it, gosh, it's really been the past several years because 
I forgot about it for a long time because I was so busy with other things. Like it's always been close to me. I grew up with it. I mean, I grew up in Maine for most of my life. And so fly fishing and hunting and uh, camping and hiking, like all of it, that's just what I was raised on. So, you know, in the past several years, it really hit me. I was like, man, I miss this so much and how much value I get out of it. It was actually a trip to Colorado shortly in my, probably my early thirties that we made and being on one of the mountains out there, you know, just North of uh, Denver, we're between Denver and, and uh, Vail during the summertime. And I was so ridiculously out of breath from the elevation and just not being in good shape. But when I got up there, I was like, this is everything. Like I just couldn't stop like breathing, but taking in and just like also realize my problems are so tiny. Oh. Like just, I felt so like small up there, but also had such big thoughts mm-hmm. and so much creativity and felt so grounded and connected. And I was like, I need more of this in my life, whether I'm sitting by a window while I work or I'm outside stretching or I'm doing an immersive camping trip. Like, and so more and more I've, I've brought it into my life where now it's just like, man, I have to have this. So yeah. it's like filling up the gas tanks. So yeah, in the past few years, I just became obsessed with it again and just remembered, I was like, this is where I grew up, you know, and in all honesty, like this is just wired in our DNA. Uh, I think John Eldred said it best in a book, Wild at Heart, he said, no, no man comes alive under the glow of the fluorescent lights. You know, it's oh, that's within good. nature, you know, we come alive in the mountains. That's right. where we, it's just where it all began. Can I, so, can, yeah. I give, can I, can I give you a little science behind this that I wrote about in my book? I would love that. For those people that are listening. And if you've not read my book, you've got one. You, we got to talk about that too. Um, so it's, what's interesting for me is that when, when nature became my healing space, which I didn't even know that that's what was going on, which is actually what's really funny about all of it. It's just like, you're in it so much. You know, when you're in something so much, like you're literally on top of that peak and you're like, this is the greatest thing ever because you're just, you feel so connected and you have no idea, like all those people that are sitting at their desks and you're sitting up there just like so present, right? Um, So Bessel van der Kopp talks, you've read it. Have you read his book, The Body Keeps Score? No. Oh, it's so good. You got to grab that. Um, um, it's, he talks about how, when it, you're healing from your traumas, the way to heal from your traumas is to feel most alive in the moment. Mm-hmm. And then that's why you, this whole alive thing. And then, um, Richard Louvre, when I was researching for my book, Richard Louvre talks about how, where do we feel, feel most alive? We are actually born to be outside, right? Like that's, yeah. we created the walls people in every yeah. wall situation, including the ones in your head. Okay. Nobody else created that. We created that. (laughs) And so where do you feel most alive, but in nature. And so when you put the two together, what you're doing is you're creating more alive moments, right? Mm -hmm. By being out in nature, you're not attaching to your traumas. You're not attaching to the difficult things that have happened in your life. You're not attaching to anything, but that one moment where you feel awe and wonder, which is what starts to shift the brainwaves, the thoughts, the heart. Yeah, actually. And that's, um, that connected with me too, a few years ago when I went to California and I, I went to the, uh, Dr. Daniel Amen clinic for mm. my brain study and had, uh, all of the, the issues in my head kind of brought to life. I was out there by myself for that trip. And, you know, I made a, like a two hour drive one way 
through all the traffic just to hike Runyon Canyon, you know, oh, yeah. I don't want to miss out on that. Like I want to be a part of that and just did it on my own. And again, just being out there by the ocean or being out there in the mountains, it just, just filled the soul. Like, and yeah, yeah. it creates those new neural pathways in the brain. It just lights you up. It's amazing. So I'm yeah, actually... whether, whether you get to do like our type of work where we have all this autonomy or you're somebody yeah. that works a bunch of hours, like there's always a way to get outside. Yeah. Always, always. You want to, you want to like, if you want me to stand for something like, and, and, and really fight for something, tell me you can't do something like that. Like, go ahead, like fight me on it. Cause I, I guarantee you I'll win. Fight like I'll find it. it. Like, yeah, go ahead. Like you're, it's not an excuse. There's always a way every There's time, whether it's way. five minutes or it's an hour, it doesn't matter. There's a way. There is a way. There is always. a way. There's always a way. All right. I want to dive into your TED talk with um, the four parts. The very first thing that you talked about when you're finding yourself, when you're going through this personal discovery, you're healing, you're doing the things leading to authenticity. The first thing that you talked about was not playing the victim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that the truth? Can I, can I, can I back up really quick though? Something that came up that I put on my face or in my Instagram stories today was, um, Dr. Edith Eager. If you haven't read her book, the gift, have Mm -hmm. you read it yet? She's, oh my God, you gotta get it. So good. So good. Holocaust survivor. And one of the things that she said was we all have one, but, but do you have it on one or two chairs? (laughs) Something to that effect. Right. And, and I had to laugh because it was like, are you leading a double life or are you yeah. being authentic and leading a singular lifestyle, right? Like a life mm-hmm. and lifestyle. And, um, and I think that one of the things that I have found people who have entered and left my life for different reasons or people that have stayed, um, the victim space is something that, can we dive into this? Of course. Let's yeah, dive. Absolutely. It's Please. all yours. Yeah. I love, you know, I, I'm fascinated with authenticity. It's something I love to talk about. And I'm also learning with the more and more people I work with, who I also consider very authentic human beings, there's still a duality to almost every human too, where there is a, a, another version of us that we don't share necessarily with anybody um, or maybe some people. But I've there's always some, some kind of duality there where there's this really authentic person that we share on the outside. And then there's still another version of us too. It's just how much real estate do you give that other side? You know, it's totally okay to have this other side of you that's driven by limiting beliefs. Maybe that's that's haunted by that, or even a, a victim mentality of some way. It's just how much real estate do you give that other version of yourself? You know, and anybody who tells me they don't have a voice of limiting belief in there, I'm like, I don't, I don't believe you. Um, there's always some kind of voice that, that it's just, again, how much attention do you give it? How much power do you give to it? And again, how much time do you spend living in that space? So I do believe that there's some kind of duality that lives within all of us, but I've learned now to try and live more in this space, this authentic side, that's truly the best version of me that I, that I want to present to the world that feels like me. It's not a show you know, not wearing this special mask. No, it's me, you know, mm-hmm. and I still have my limiting beliefs. I still have issues. I got days where I'm a total train wreck, but I haven't, I have a village of people in my life now that also lift me up while I'm also trying to lift others up instead of just me always pouring into others and saying, I'm fine. Don't pour into me. I got this. I'm good. No, I'm, I need that. So 
authenticity, huge. Stop being a victim. Holy cow. I really loved being angry at people and blaming them. And when I became very, very ill in 2015, just laying there, I had lost all of my energy, um, almost all of my hormones, you know, diagnosed with a bunch of weird things like Addison's disease, where I lost all my adrenaline. I became chronically ill with that narcolepsy, cataplexy, all these like X's things and just weird stuff. And, um, I lost the one thing I thought gave me all this value, my energy, mm. like being a high, high energy guy. I could outwork anybody. I could out hustle any human being. I felt like I was never naturally a strong guy or never naturally, like, I didn't think I was smart because I had, you know, some people in my life tell me I wasn't and I believed it, but I was really, really energetic and I could outwork you. And when I lost that, I was like, holy shit, like, who am I now? And then I was pissed at all these people who I felt put me in that bed, who burned me out. And I was like, they should be here. That's not fair. This isn't fair. How come I'm the one that's suffering and those asses are out there thriving in life, you know? And I was like, it wasn't right. I mean, I remember laying there just like, and I changed the question finally from like, why is this happening to me? And I looked up and I just asked God, I was like, what are you trying to teach me? <laughs> you know, what do you, what am I supposed to be learning here instead of why is this happening to me? And that was a big yeah. man, mindset shift. And that's when I just kind of heard the, you know, heard this voice say like, well, now that I, I finally have your attention, like you can't move. So like, you know, now I finally have your attention. You're going to listen. And I started to listen and I really said, you know what? I got to take some accountability on this. Yeah. I started to focus on, you know, the things that I could control in my life. And there were five things that I came up with. I called them my supply lines and they were my sleep, my nutrition, my meditation, my fitness, and my community. I had control of those five things. And I can't bitch about my illnesses if I'm eating garbage, you know, and I'm not sleeping and I'm not choosing to pray or meditate or surround myself with positive people, all of those things. I can't complain about my finances or anything else really in my life if I'm not honoring those supply lines. Yeah. So I had to quit this victim crap that wasn't serving me. Yes, I had some people that did some really crappy things to me, but some really awful things. But you know what? Like blaming them did nothing for me except make me bitter and resentful. And it kept me in this abyss of garbage. Yeah. So it was time to really take some accountability and say, you know what? I allowed some of these people to stay in my life. I saw the red flags. I chose to ignore a lot of red flags. And then I made my own choices, yep. you know? And so I had to take accountability and I still have to take accountability for that. There were so many times I got mad at people when I was sick and I had lost my job because I was on medical leave and six months behind in my mortgage in this brand new house that I had built in a beautiful part of Austin with an infant son. My wife was out of work at the time too. And I have a negative bank account, like less than $0, you know, and I was pissed at the people who had the resources to save me, to rescue me, you know, and they wouldn't, you know, they just, they were just there like, Hey, things are going to get better and stuff. I was like, you don't understand. I'm really broken. I really, you know, and I think the greatest gift they gave me was not rescuing me. They knew I'd be all right. 
they knew what I was made of. And like, you know what, honestly, if there was genuine crisis, really, really bad, like someone would have stepped in, you know, I did have to learn how to receive generosity. Like someone did start a GoFundMe for the, at that time too. And I had to learn how to receive that. I didn't think I was worthy of it, but I also, you don't realize how creative and resourceful you are until your back's against the wall until like you have nothing left to lose. Like you can either give up or you can figure out like how friggin' brilliant you are. And that's when I started my, my coaching business when I had nothing, I couldn't afford business cards or a website, but I had LinkedIn and that was free. So I wrote. And so, yeah. And then I started purging a lot of that victim mentality online and uh, started speaking some truth. And back then, you know, in 2015, talking about vulnerability on LinkedIn was pretty foreign. Um, it was kind of frowned upon and it was more Facebook content they said but i wrote anyways and i could tell how starving people were for something that's real yeah but uh but yeah that's been a journey it's it's a non-stop journey of like realize like am i a victim right now or am i you know being courageous and i have to catch myself sometimes i i still catch myself i'm like hey wait a minute like snap out of it dude but i'm a lot faster now to see it and i'm very gentle on myself now too when i catch it i don't beat the shit out of myself for it you know, I own it and I give myself some grace and I course correct and I get back in the game. So. Damn. <laughs> Damn. Well, so I used to have that same thing when, you know, I've been through so many freaking traumas. It's ridiculous. So many people have yeah. betrayed me. And like, I'm like, if one more person betrays me, I think I might. Good Lord. It's ridiculous. Um, and it's really funny because today I was talking to Joe about this, my, my sweet Joe, my right-hand woman who I love so much. And, um, we were talking about business stuff and I was talking to her about that, the betrayal piece. And she mm -hmm. said, well, I got a question for you, Sarah. And I'm like, Oh Lord, whenever she says that, I'm like, here we go. She's yeah. using my own book on me. <laughs> and sure enough, she goes, have you forgiven yourself for that? And I went, yep. And this is why I love you. And this is why you are never leaving my team. And she said, I know yeah. sometimes the questions that we ask others are also the most difficult questions to ask ourselves. And I said, you're Absolutely. exactly right. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I also, when I used to sit there and say, why, like, why, you know, at the age of 40, when everything blew up, I'm like, why me again, again, like, what the hell? And I went back to that same, when that question was, when I had that same question at the age of 17, right. Going through my very first thing. And I remember looking up at God and saying, and I, I heard the words, why not? Mm -hmm. So all I heard was why not? And I was like, yeah. okay, then you better like help me out up there on this one then. And, yeah. and that's when things, it was like, we need somebody to mm -hmm. like, they're like, I, and it was this whole space for me of even at the age of 17 of you have one choice here to either let this completely take you down if you're going to continue to stay the victim space or to use something with to do something with it. Right. Yeah. And to shift the perspective of it and to really start walking the walk. Right. I mean, that was a really hard thing to do at 17. And yet thank oh, God yeah. it happened because I learned how to do it at 40. Like I totally yeah. took all that and then learned how to also use the same thing at 40 in a much more intentional way as an adult. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My, um, my therapist, my early thirties said something that really kind of blew my mind. 
was uh, I was complaining and venting about people who had hurt me in some of those betrayals and relationships where I felt like, man, I, I feel like every time I have a relationship, I give and give and give and give. And then when I need something, they're gone. Yeah. He also asked me the question, he goes, well, how did you ask for help? Like, what expectations did you set in the relationship? I was like, mm. yeah. like well, you're an ass for asking <laughs> Um, this is about this is about me right now and you're supposed to make me feel happy and good about myself and we're supposed to both just crap on these people but no it it was so true you know like it's so true like i never set these expectations like hey i would i'm gonna this is the type of person i am i would appreciate that in return you know and i've worked with so many people who've also said i don't understand it it's just good people just do this. This is just what you do in return. Why should that be a spoken thing? I'm like, you know, some people are just oblivious sometimes. It's not they're trying to be malicious. They just, they don't know. So you got to articulate it. And for me, it was kind of like telling somebody, hey, I just beat you in a race today. And they're like, I had no idea we were racing because I forgot to tell you, but I won. Um, (laughs) And so I'm very intentional now in relationships and making sure like, is there something symbiotic here? But that way I know that if I choose to do something for somebody and I don't articulate anything in return, any kind of expectation, then I'm doing that without any expectations. And if they don't do anything in return, I'm totally cool with it. I did it because I felt like doing it. Right. Other times I'll articulate something I need in return or an expectation and that keeps that relationship good. So yeah, I still wanted to be a victim because these people who didn't do anything for me, I also never asked. So right. it's a big lesson on my part too, is that, yeah, you have to ask for what you need in this world. And a matter of fact, you never know what's possible until you ask for what you need. And I find that that's an incredibly difficult thing for many people to do. And that was for me included. I'm not worthy of asking for what I need. But the same people who won't do that are also the same people who do anything for anybody else. Mm -hmm. So when somebody comes to me with that and they're like, I I just don't want to, I I just don't want to do that. I'm like, what makes you so special? Why are you so special that you can't ask for help? I mean, it's kind of arrogant, don't you think? And why do you keep deciding that I'm a burden or that it'd be too much for you to ask for. Or like, I'll think like, why are you deciding for me about helping you right. before you even ask me? I was like, that's pretty arrogant. I don't like that. And they're like, what? No, that's not arrogant. I was like, well, you're making choices for me without asking. Exactly. Thinking, you know? And so I love that's it. Just kind of one of my beliefs. It's a great belief. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's, it's, it's brilliant. The worthiness piece is huge. It truly is. Those, especially those people that have lived through a lot, like sometimes their worthiness is shit. And it took me a lot to get to that place of, no, you know what? I'm freaking worthy of this. Like we had the best year last year. Holy. And I just, well, this, this year, this year we were having the best year. And I literally said to, said to my team, I'm like, you know what? I go, I'm freaking proud of us. Like just today I said this, I was like, I am so freaking proud of us. And I was like, and you know what? Even better. I'm proud of me. Like, I'm really proud of me. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And so, um, it's just, you know, I think that, I think that it's such an important thing for us to be able to sit there and, and, and have that conversation with self and others too, about how far that we've come. And also, Sorry. And also how much that we still have to learn because exactly red flags. I'm still working on that too. Yeah. You know, I also think too, like, I know that there's so many more things for me to learn in life, but I never use that sentence after I compliment myself about something or when somebody compliments me, 
Like, right. wow, you've done so well in this area and area. I never follow that with, yeah, but I got so much more to learn in life. It's exactly. such a great way to minimize your journey and just like completely squash somebody's compliment. Yeah. You know, and the only appropriate response to any compliment is just thank you. That's yep. it. You know, and, and that's, that's a huge thing um, for me there too. So, but I will yep. say like, for me, 2020 was like one of the best years of my life. And it felt almost uh, inappropriate to say that, you know, even though I almost died, like it didn't matter. Like it was, and I was separated from my family for three months too, at the beginning of quarantine, they came to Maine to visit. Wow. I was in Austin. Then everything crashed. Like I just finished in February going to Banff. I was at this event called The Gathering uh, with Ryan Gill, and it was amazing. I come back, everything's sky high, and things start getting a little weird. And then March hits, and my family comes up here. I remember saying this to my wife. I was like, I said, I'm getting this creepy feeling you guys are leaving me behind. And she laughed. She goes, stop being so dramatic. And I was, I was like, oh, something doesn't feel right. And sure enough, everything crashed, you know, March 13th. Wow. And that's my Ted talk was supposed to happen around that time up in Crawford, uh, uh, Indiana, at Crawford, uh, Crawford, unit, yeah. Um, and Wabash university. And it was supposed to happen around that time that got canceled. Wow. Um, everything got canceled that day. Tom Hanks got sick and stuff. And I was like, now oh, yeah. COVID's gone too far. He's a national treasure. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, but my family was stuck up there. We couldn't travel. And so, I was grateful my son was up here because no, we're in the middle of nowhere up here in, yeah. uh, in central Maine. And he, so he had no idea. They were totally unaffected. You know, he's snowmobiling, having a blast with his grandparents, but I'm in a city wow. of a million people and I have no idea when I'll see my family again. And, you know, that was crazy, but it's I crazy. loved the opportunity to just do nothing. And it was totally okay to do that too. Was, was I was just to, totally yeah, present, totally present with just what was, I didn't want to miss out on what mm -hmm. was happening. I would take drives at night and just see how a city of a million people is empty. Yeah. You know, it was fascinating to me, but even with all that, I still, I had a great year with my business. It still managed to thrive and I couldn't believe yeah. it. I traveled almost the entire Western, like central and Western U S with my family and had an amazing time. We stayed away from people. We went to national parks. And I still got sick in Flagstaff, Arizona, and that resulted in a pretty epic journey. But uh, you know what? I have no regrets. Yeah. I still lived. After a while, when you start going through this stuff, we really have this like bulletproof optimism, like kind of mindset. You start to feel unsinkable, not mm -hmm. arrogant, but you start to feel like I can survive anything. Mm -hmm. Like, like, come on, like being afraid of singing in front of people. Screw that. I almost died a few times. I can sing in front of anybody. Go ahead. Like, it's fine. I'll go for the big notes now. And I don't care if I fail. Like, it just doesn't matter anymore. You feel unsinkable after a while. Yeah. This life is way too damn short. I, I completely agree with you. And I got to run my retreats. The only one I didn't run was the one in April because like everything was shut down, right? Yeah. So I like ran all of them. I'm like, this is great. And I was one of the few companies in the Grand Canyon that got to run that they were just That's like, awesome. I know it was awesome. I, and there was nobody there. Like we literally had the entire Grand Canyon to ourselves. Yep. It was yep. amazing. So go into the second thing that you were talking about leading to authenticity. Which one was that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> tell me about that. You know what that, gosh, <laughs> I can't derail. That TED talk shouldn't have happened. I screwed that whole talk up. Wait, what do you mean? Them. I haven't told anybody this like publicly. It never should have happened. I blew it. Like, but what are you talking about? 
Well, first, because it was amazing. It, this I've I should have written the four things down. I didn't write them down. No, Damn well, it. here's you know what? Maybe this is better. Uh, because this I've is never better than I've never I've never shared this publicly yet. I was getting ready to write about it, but I wanted some time for the talk to be out before I really shared the whole story. But I, um, I you know what? I'm truthful. Uh, by the way, people know me. No, no, no. I I always just go with the 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 vibe and energy of things on what stories I'm supposed to share. And uh, yeah, today's a good day for it. Um, that talk was unique because it's the first talk ever in North America that was not hosted at the college that was doing it or the location that was hosted. Right. So this was supposed to happen in Indiana, Wabash College. And because of COVID, it just wasn't going to happen. They were like, we can't, we, we thought we'd bring people in and film it in front of the empty stage and stuff like that. But instead, what we're going to do is everybody go pick a venue where you live. We'll hire a film crew locally. They'll come, they'll film it, and then we'll take the tapes and we're going to launch them all on a YouTube live all together. Um, and, uh, and that's how we'll do it. So it still gets filmed ahead of time and then it's going to be broadcast live on YouTube. So all of them happen. Then they pull them down just like they would um, the night of, of it happening live. They pull it down. And then for like three months, it goes to Ted corporate and they brand it and they do all yeah, that they do stuff all that and they stuff, release it. Yeah. Well, the talk can't be any longer than 18 minutes. And so I'm struggling all of a sudden. Like I didn't, I've never had to memorize a speech. I always speak just off the cuff. I'm good at it. It's what I get paid to do. But this one challenged me. They're like, no, you have to write everything down. Ted wants to know. And so, <laughs> like, and, and you know, you got to go over it. You got to go over it, you know? And so, oh um, my God, this is hilarious. But I sometimes struggle with memorizing some things with whatever hits to the head I've had. Um, like even when I perform music, I don't know the songs, but I, I have to have my iPad in front of me. But for this one, like I'm struggling, I'm having a hard time. And then I have some of my closest friends in the audience in Austin that are there, they're watching and, and I love it. I'm on this stage and I get to pretend, basically pretend that I'm talking to a huge group of people. That's, that's how I wanted to do it. Some people did it in like a nice room and, and stuff like that. I was like, no, I don't want that. I just, I want it to be where I feel at peace. And so I'm doing it at this place where it was the first place I went to a concert in Austin, um, downtown, but, um, I, I finally crushed it. I finished it. It came out great. I loved it. The guy on zoom was directing it. Daniel, uh, he, you know, he's a he's great 21 year old kid. who's part of the, the Ted program at that college. They do it with the college students run it. He's like, dude, uh, you, you did like 24 minutes. I was like, I was horrified. I've never gone over like that in a talk ever. Like I, I know my time. I just, I know it. I feel it. I stop. He's like, dude, we, we can't use it. And like, we're not supposed to edit. We can do some, but you did. Some, we, everybody would know we edited that. And I'm like, oh, I was humiliated inside. Now, if that had oh, been live shit. at the college, my talk never would have seen the light of day. There's no way it never would have happened. It never would have made it, but because it was this crazy, unique thing that had been delayed for well over a year of happening, and almost at one point was totally dead. The talk wasn't going to happen, they said, and then it got resurrected. And, oh my gosh! Um, yeah, they were like, "No, it can't." I was embarrassed. I was so mad at myself, just humiliated. I wasted their time and their money. And then they said, "We can, we can do it again. You can, you can come back tomorrow night. Can we do that?" I was like. Luckily, I had scored the venue for free. I found a guy 
amazing dude. He, he knew the owner. So we had the venue. So the money we saved on the venue, we could invest in the film crew. The film crew also supported the message. So they were super cool. These two young guys were amazing. And I get a call around midnight as I'm now eating my feelings in uh, 40 pounds of sushi. Um, you know, and he says, Hey Matt, I'm here with the group. We've, uh, I hope, I hope this is okay. We rewrote your speech. I'm like, you did what? He goes, yeah, we, we wrote it. I, I wrote all of it again. I feel like I know it. I want to honor it. Can I read it back to you? I think we've got it down to a good 12 minutes. He did. He rewrote the whole thing for me, him and his team and drilled it down to even more for me. And I was like, that was incredible. And then this kid, Daniel, he, he calls me up. He says, I will be there tomorrow morning. You know, he got on a plane and he flew to Austin, Texas on his own dime. I found out wow. he decided that the message connected with him so well that it was like one of his stories. He felt like that he came down and joined me on this and was there to help and support. And I was like, dude, I'm blown away. So if me screwing up my talk that first night was what led him to come down and be a part of that with me. And to have a great experience together. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that script because that's yeah. exactly what that talk was meant to do. It was meant to speak to somebody and say, hey, that's my story. Oh, my gosh. The facts, that's the thing about our stories that tie us together is the, the details of the stories are different for all of us, but the emotions are the same. I 100%. felt shame. I felt broken. You know, I felt angry. We can all relate to those emotions. I felt betrayed. All of that stuff. I was a victim. And then I was heroic. It's a hero's journey type thing. But he came down and I got a second shot at it and I crushed it around like 12, 14 minutes. I think it was like 12 minutes. I, I hit that time spot and nailed it, you know, but that never should have seen the light of day. I was exhausted. I mean, I had COVID through Jan up until January and was still like exhausted from that. And we just finished the Texas snowpocalypse in February, like just a few days prior to that, we had just gotten water and electricity back after the city was crippled by seven inches of snow. Oh my crippled. gosh. You know, we'd been without water for like a week. We'd been without electricity. There was still snow on the ground. I mean, it was crazy. And then here I am now doing my TEDx talk that I hadn't prepared for because I was just trying to keep my family warm, you know, and fed the week prior. <laughs> like oh. it was insanity. So it, it never, it never should have seen the light of day, but I was so hell bent on being a victim after the failure of the first talk of just poor me, poor me, right? that I almost missed the opportunity of why it was supposed to happen. And so, yeah, I, I haven't had a chance to really share that with anybody because I completely flopped on that talk and I'm not used to that. It's I, actually not, amazing. It's my damn story. It's amazing, story. by the I way. It's an amazing talk. Screw that story up. You, know, you didn't screw the talk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it was all supposed to happen that way. Yeah. You know, and what's really special to me is that um, I did a, a brief intro talk to that. That's just for me. And it was for my son. You know, it was a oh, chance for wow. me. Um, it was a chance for me because, you know, he's he's eight and uh, he was seven at the time. And it was a chance for me to just say, like, you know, Fox, that's my son's name, Fox. And uh, I was like, you know, this um, this whole journey has, has been for you. Like if everything I basically went through in life, you know, was to help best serve you, then it was all worth it. And I was like, you're seven right now. You can't be here to watch this talk. It's not your time to hear it, you know, but it will be someday. And like, I mean, that's what it's all about. That's like, what it's all and about. so I have that, I have that for him someday when it's his time, 
And, um, and I do believe in that, that as I get older and as he gets older, there'll be times when we get to know each other as men and there'll be a right time to share this with him. And I'm ridiculously proud of him. So, yeah. So whatever the four things are, <laughs> I didn't write them down. I was like, maybe I should write I them down. Well, there's, and then there's I was like, nah. No, the most one of the most important parts is talking about values. Um, yes, that was and, that and was how you find your way parts. forward. But in all honesty, like the experience of that talk really nails a lot of things on how it made me dig deep into my soul again and understand the value of things. And that if I can surrender my control around how I expect things to happen, then I can see some friggin' beauty in it. Yeah, you know. And yeah. so yeah. that's what it's all about. It's that's about it's my damn about. purpose and why I do this. I do this so I don't want anyone to feel alone in this world. And by yeah. doing this, I connect with another human being that didn't feel so alone. So even if my talk didn't see the light of the day, if this one person saw it and that hit him, then that's great. You know, that's one person and he'll hopefully share that with other people. But no, it did see the light of day and it blew my it's mind when it, when it started to resonate. It just... I never did this for my business. I always did a talk because people will ask like, oh, how do I do a TED talk? How do I do a TED talk? I, I know. Sometimes I, the motivation isn't right. And that came from my friend too. Like one of my closest friends, his name is Marcus Aurelius Anderson because he's got the most badass name on earth. That's cool. Um, but also one of the most humble human beings. He did his talk uh, a couple of years ago after being a quadriplegic, you know, uh, from a horrific neck injury in the military to now being a, you know, black belt in martial arts, you never know he was injured. And he was like, yeah, no, like he, he challenged me. He goes, why do you want to do this talk? So well, it's how I can serve more people. Like it's a, it's a stage where I can serve more people. The, the side effect is it grew my business. That's great. But all, all this stuff is if you live with your purpose and your values first, all this great stuff happens. So there's a big yeah. thing on values. If you lead with your values and you're constantly planting seeds with those things, the harvest will take care of itself. Yeah. Yeah. It will. I guarantee you that 100%. So what well, an epic friggin' journey. What? <laughs> this is hilarious. I will make sure that we drop the link to the Ted talk and everybody can go watch it. This is, this is like, you know, it's, I love stuff like this because it's, it, this is just the beginning of y'all going and watching it. I will just, I will just it's sum so it up real, real quick for people. The whole bottom line is it's called living with a courageous heart. Yeah. In all honesty, what that means is it means living a life aligned by your values. Yeah. Cause I'll be honest, it takes friggin' courage to do that. It takes courage to say, Hey, I love this. This is what I'm passionate about. It means a lot to me. I don't care if that's Legos, if it's Marvel movies, if it's hiking, you know, if it's, you know, being a parent, like it doesn't matter if it fills your cup, that's, what's important. And you got to do that because it's what those activities do for you. Those values do for you. They evoke so many things. So look yeah. in the bucket of nature, when I honor that value of nature, I'm more creative. I'm more grounded in my faith. I'm more optimistic. I'm more like, I'm in a great curious perspective. And guess what? When I'm in those places, I can do anything. My business thrives. I'm a better parent. I'm a better partner. I'm a better friend. I'm better to myself. It's just when we don't know what our values are, yeah. we have these empty tanks in our lives and we fill those tanks with garbage that doesn't belong there. That's when we get in trouble with addiction, with pornography, with overspending, emotional eating, constantly trying to find something that will give you any kind of joy. But guess what? You know they're not values when after you do them, you feel shame and anger towards yourself when you do them yeah. in the moment it's instant gratification you're like, this is great but then right <laughs> afterwards 
You're like, I hate myself. Those yeah. aren't values at all. You're missing something. So watch the talk or ask me about it. But if you really want to do something yourself, if you want to take one step in your life, go back to a time in your life when you thought everything was just friggin' awesome. I don't care if you were eight years old or if it was yesterday. Go back to one moment where in that snapshot in time, anything was possible. I guarantee you, you were living all of your values in that moment. Think about all the activities you were doing. And it doesn't have to, don't let your mind tell you that limiting belief voice tell you it has to be something profound, like my wedding or the birth of a child. It could be something so simple. Because I guarantee you in that moment, were you writing? Were you hiking? Were you playing music? Did you have a great community of friends in your life? What were you doing? Guarantee you, your, your, your stuff was right there. And ask yourself, what were those activities evoking in your life? We speak the same language. <laughs> oh, yes, we do. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Well, I always say walk the walk. So my next tattoo this is my mom's. My mom's. My mom's handwriting is forgive. This is my mom. I nice. have this right. Wow. I know. And my next one is. Um, I'm not sure where I'm going to get it yet, though. I got to figure that out. But my dad always said, "Walk the walk, don't just talk it." Nice. Yep. And hence why my book is called Walk Through This as well. There's a whole thing behind that. Point I was supposed good. to get my first one during COVID, but uh, it didn't happen. I was going to get a half sleeve lion on this arm. Oh, cool. Um, and so eventually that'll happen. That's so, cool. Yeah. That's cool. I got mine during COVID actually. Yes, I did. Wicked. I got it. I did. I got it right before I went on the trail. It was, it was for my nice. 47th birthday. And then I went on the trail. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. I know. I know. I keep telling my dad, I'm like, when are you going to write it for me? When are you get, it was this whole like family thing though. My, they didn't want me to get the tattoo. And then uh. I talked my mom into just letting me do it. And then my dad was like, okay, fine. I want to get I mean, a I'm 48 on on. for my son. So that's yeah. so cool. That's so Wicked. cool. It's so cool. Um, okay. Well, we'll drop the link to the TED talk. <laughs> Did you know, actually what's funny about mine is I didn't know that I was actually writing the Ted talk for, I like, I, I, I didn't know that we, I was actually doing it. I'm literally yeah. in creation with the producer of it. And then all of a sudden I finally said to her, wait, so does this mean I'm actually doing the TED talk or what's going on here? And she's like, you better be open in November. Cause yeah, you're already booked. And I went, oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. And it's the same thing. I mean, I didn't set out to do it. It, yeah. it. And I think that that's the most amazing thing about living is that when you don't, when you're simply standing in your purpose, you're walking it, you're, you're, you're living it, yeah. you're breathing it. It just, it all attracts to you. Yeah, no, Absolutely. I, the experience is amazing. I'd actually applied to four of them, I think within six months. And the fourth one was the charm, you know, and, uh, and I was just relentless about it because I had started that goal five years ago and I'd never applied for one. And then finally my, my friend Marcus said, I want you to apply for this one in Palo Alto. And, uh, and I got rejected and I got rejected again and rejected again. I never took it personally. I just realized after a while, I was like, wait, this is a group of people that are reading these and it's just whether it connects with them or not. So when I knew this last one was going to this college, I'm thinking like, man, when I was like in my twenties, what would resonate? And I was like, and I just led with, so I was drinking 15 cans of Red Bull a day in Adderall and immediately like, you have our attention, sir. You know, <laughs> I had them right there. And so that was great. Well, I didn't even apply. That's what's so funny. They literally That's came to me and said, somebody said that you need to do a TED talk. What do you want to do it on? And yeah. I'm like, I don't know. What do you want it on? And that's how yeah. we just kept going through this whole process. And that's how forgiveness came up. So yeah, it was, it was really cool. That's, it's just so much fun. 
You have been amazing. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, okay, a couple of things I want to ask. Uh, is there anything that you want to leave with our listeners? And then I would like to have you share all your links, share where people can find you. Yeah. yeah. No, what can I leave people? Well, you know, I, I kind of already shared just like the first step you can take in discovering your values. Yeah. Um, but really, the, the, the other thing, too, is... Uh, start listening for what that voice of limiting belief is. It's the first thing I start with everybody I work with is that voice of limiting belief because we all have one, but sometimes we don't know it. We don't know what it sounds like. And I think that's been the value of why I worked with a therapist and also why I worked with a coach too. And why I still work with a coach is that I can't see my own blind spots. Like in sports, like it's so encouraged to have a coach in sports. It's just necessary because look, if you can't, hit a curveball, you work with your hitting coach because you can't always see what you're missing. You can't see yourself shoot a basketball or throw a football. Your coach does. They see that stuff. They see your blind spots. You know, I do that with your life, you know? And so I listen for things. And so listen to yourself first, catch yourself. Like every time you say something powerful about yourself or a goal that you have, like, you know what? I'd really love to start a business, but I just can't right there. Immediately something's kicking in. As soon as you say that, butt part, you're going to chop yourself down as to why you can't do it. I'd love to work out more, but I just don't have any time. Like there's that second part of it. That's full of crap, like totally full of shit. And, (laughs) and you got to learn how to not listen to that and start listening to that first part because the best version of you said that first half of the sentence. And then this voice of limiting belief. And I want you to understand this too. The voice of limiting belief. It's not a malicious attack on you. It's not trying to put you down on purpose. It doesn't mean you harm. It's just an unqualified leader in your life. It's an unqualified leader that was built from brokenness and fear and is trying to protect you from getting hurt, but it's doing that by keeping you down. So I want you to start listening for that now, because when you can identify that, you can hear that voice and you can name it, give it a goofy name, whatever you want, call it Carl. I don't care, but give it a name that separates it from your best version of yourself. I promise you'll never unhear it. Yeah. You'll catch yourself every single time. Are you laughing inappropriately? Like just because you're nervous or like whatever, or are you like apologizing all the time? You'll catch yourself. Yep. So start I, with that. It's a first step. And all my clients right now are going, yes, I've heard this before. Yeah, I've heard this sure. before. I've heard this before. Yeah, that word, but. So where can people find you? Where can, where where can, can people, people find, find you? You can find me on Instagram at I am Matt Gagnon. Uh, you'll see the spelling of my name. It looks like Gagnon. Um, and I post pretty much everything about my life and what I'm speaking about, my coaching, my mornings, all of that stuff. Um, all the things that I'm passionate about live there. Um, you can also find me at, at Matt Gagnon coaching too. Um, and then I have another one. It's atomic mornings. Uh, oh, I didn't know this. Io. Yeah. Morning routines became huge for me. Uh, two, uh, over two years ago. Now I started waking up at four 30 AM after not being a morning person my entire life, I told myself this epic lie. There's a great story about it. I have a whole 31 day journey that's on my LinkedIn page. That's cool. My LinkedIn page documents every day of that morning routine. Real. I went on Instagram live every morning, just raw, just unscripted. And, um, and what was amazing was this guy, Ryan Gill from Calgary, who runs this event, The Gathering, which you have to check out. It's one of the biggest events out there. Yeah, it's Forbes' number one networking event in the world. And and he saw it and he was like, hey, amazing journey you're doing on this morning thing. I really want to sign up for your morning program. I was like, absolutely. I don't have one. (laughs) Um, And and we converse back and forth. 
until May and we started it together. And, you know, he's been an amazing influence in my life and I, I try and pour into his too, but yeah, uh, I'm all about the power of morning routines and it really does tie into my coaching because it's all about values and self-care and mental health. It's not about just waking up. It's also not about just being up at 5am. It's you pick your number, but you can find me there too. If you're interested about mornings, I love it. If you just like camping stuff, I've got another weird one called the primitive glamper because I just like sharing my camping gear. I like sharing nature and it's just about that. It's just for fun. It's not a business. It's just, if you love nature, you like being out there. I call myself the primitive glamper because I I can glamp it up if you want to and do some fancy camping, or I can just get rusty as as pasta rustic as possible out there too. And I just love sharing that that stuff. I got to go. It's it's just starting to grow now. I'm just getting into it. Well, that's cool. A bunch of stuff, but LinkedIn, all of that stuff. I'm there. Yeah. Like I just, I love, I just want to serve. So yeah. you're out there, give me a holler. Love and that's the best way. All right. You have been an absolute pleasure and I cannot Thank wait you. to jam with you again sometime because it's going to happen. I know that. I know that. Go follow oh, him, yeah. um, LinkedIn, Instagram, find him on, on, uh, are you on Facebook too? Yeah, I am. I'm on Facebook. That's not really my jam. That's as not much, really though. your jam. I've got some group. I've got some groups that I'll be launching soon on there. But okay, cool. Yeah, Instagram cool. and LinkedIn. Let's go play. That's that's go play there. Okay, cool. All right, you guys, find him, follow him, and be on the journey. My friends, thank you for listening to the Live Boldly podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so grateful to have you here. I'd love to invite you over to sarahschultencrans.com to receive five free meditations recorded by me or download your free guide on how nature is your perfect healing therapy. My site has many free resources to guide you on your life journey, many that I used myself while on my road from victim to survivor. And also, please, I ask that you share my podcast with those who may need inspiration, information, or who may need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review and subscribe. Go find it on other platforms such as Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please also go to my Instagram or Facebook page, leave a message in my comments, and tell me what you think of this episode. Please share in your stories and tag me. I'd love to reshare and celebrate your healing journey. I love hearing from each one of you. Let's keep the ripple going. It begins with each one of us. I love you. And as I always say, I believe in you, us, always. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.